From the air-conditioned cupping room at World Cup Coffee and Tea, Northwest 18th and Gleason in smoky Portland, this is OMN Coffee Shop Conversation number 160. I'm Tom D'Antoni. Coming up next month is the 25th anniversary of the birth of Tony Starlight. He was already alive and grown at that time, but his career as Tony the crooner, entertainer, nostalgia boy, club owner, and one funny guy began in 1993. And I will let him tell you how because he's sitting right next to me. And he just took off his Portland Mavericks hat. Not dressed to perform at the moment, but we'll get into how he chooses his outfits later. His anniversary show will be Saturday, September 22 at the Alberta Rose Theater, and it will be something special. And he's going to tell you all about it and a lot of other things about himself that you might never have known. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the cupping room. You've been here before. I have. Yeah. It's a delight to be back. I feel a little like Gabe Kaplan. Why? Welcome back. Oh, Cotter. My dream for my ticket. <laughs> And that's at the cupping room at the World Cup Coffee and Tea, Northwest 18th and Gleason, uh-huh. where we do these things. And get free coffee in the room. Indeed. Yeah. What a low bar we had with, like, with, uh, with the okay. Welcome Back Cotter. Yes. And, uh, yeah. We go through this all the time because I do a lot of the old TV themes. Uh-huh. And people go, oh, I love that show. Yeah. And I go, have you seen that show since you're a grown person? <laughs> the show's terrible. Yes. You love the show because right. there was no choices. If, if that right. show came up on Netflix today, right. you would never, ever pick that show. You'd say, yeah. what manner of ungodly demon created well, this nonsense? I, I, but we had so little but choices. Because, because, but, you know, but it, was, it, it wasn't, that show wasn't <laughs> about the show. It was about, it was about John Travolta. Well, and I think Gabe Kaplan is kind of like the prototype for Jerry Seinfeld right. in that. Yes. Gabe Kaplan was smiling the whole time like, you know, I can't believe I'm acting here in this yeah. stupid thing and I'm just a comedian. That's every <laughs> episode of Seinfeld. Money. Seinfeld right, yeah. has that same grin on his face. Like, yeah. I can't believe I'm acting. I know. With I these know. good actors. And on, <laughs> and, and on, those, um, on those stations uh, on, on cable now that run nothing but old TV shows, he's still getting the checks. Oh well, that's because that was the heyday of yeah. uh, when every contract yeah. had the beautiful syndication deals, yeah. and unless just he's get dead. paid forever. In which case, yeah. he's not getting checks anymore. Oh man, <laughs> that's the mistake I made in my career. Everything I've ever done, I got paid that night, and then never again. And I may not have even got paid that night. Right? Oh, you, know, you, you think you got problems? <laughs> All of my stories that I wrote for the Oregonian are gone. They do not appear on, online. Uh, on mm. anything connected to the Oregonian. Mm. Also, all the stories I did for for Oregon Artbeat were taken down from their their website. So it's like it's like I never was. It's like you never were. Except you know it. You well, know it, and that's what's important. Well, I suppose this is what I have to no, tell that's myself. Not good enough. I'm trying to help. <laughs> that's not good enough. I find if I don't think too hard on things, I'm much happier. <laughs> Well, that's good for you because I can't think. <laughs> I never could, you know. And now it's even worse, oh. you know. So 25 years as Tony Starlight. How do you like that? Isn't that beautiful? That's amazing. It's wonderful. And uh, I feel blessed, and no one seemed to be making a big enough deal about it, so I decided <laughs> I'm going to rent the Alberta Hose, the Alberta Hose, the Alberta Rose Theater. 
and uh, throw myself <laughs> yeah, a party. Yeah, Rotel. It was yes. that. <laughs> and the format are kind of the Tony Awards. Ah. I'm giving myself awards, but mm-hmm. I'm not giving them to myself. I've hired a whole series of uh, presenters. I have like uh, Mike Chase, Isaac Ropp from from radio. Uh-huh. I have uh, uh, also from radio Warren Black and Krista Wessel. I have them as presenters. I have mm-hmm. old members of the band coming out. <laughs> I have uh, JD and Lisa to uh-huh. represent the Jimmy Mac days. I have mm-hmm. Phil Ragway, you Stone Twelve Hundred One with Ken DeRoshi. Ken DeRoshi was the uh, original. Uh, Doorman right. in those days at my shows, and right. they're going to come out and uh, people think I'm him. And present think, me with yeah. You do think, guys have a similar think look. He's me. You have a very similar look. You yeah. got the goatee and yeah, the tall yeah, and yeah. the glasses. Yeah, look going on. I bet you can't sing that deep white soul though. Yep, I'm right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> And so we're going to have a good time. And then I got a big, huge group of uh, 10 musicians. I've brought back like, my original piano player, Ralph Huntley. Uh, wow. And then, and then Reese Marshburn. You know, I did a story on it. Wait, I did this with Ralph. I did, you know, do you know about Ralph and cemeteries? No. <laughs> He's not opened up to me about this part of his life. No. This, this guy was on television. Mm-hmm. I did a story on, three, on, on klezmocracy. Remember when he right. was in klezmocracy? And I have uh, a joke about that. I asked each of them if they would um, uh, recommend a place where I could shoot them individually someplace that is meaningful. So... I don't know, one was under the St. John's Bridge and, and Courtney wanted to ride the streetcar and Ralph wanted to go to a cemetery because he used to like to go there with his girlfriends. I see. <laughs> well, how do you like that? Well, see, he, he used to rule that band with an iron fist and that's why I told him they should change the name to Klez Tatership. <laughs> that's the kind of jokes you're going to get. 922-18 Alberta Rose Theater. Boy. Uh, and uh, I'll have four different piano players from people through the years, and uh-huh. we're going to go through uh, from the sad and horrible years to the wonderful and delightful years, and everywhere in between. It's going to be a lot of fun. Sad and horrible years? There were sad and horrible years. Yes, there really? were. Really? Oh, yes. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Uh, well, I don't know. It depends on how you look at it. I guess they're sad and horrible if you look back on them. At the time, they seemed great. I remember doing a Christmas show at uh, the Bright Spot, better known as the Space Room. Oh, my God, yeah. And if I sold 40 tickets, it was a sellout, and I would boast about having sold out that room. You see what where, I mean? Where could you play in that room? That, that's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> those were the kinds of gigs I had, right? So I call those sad and horrible years. And not necessarily sad and horrible for me. It was sad and horrible for the audience because I was clearly not uh, uh, at a high enough skill set to ask you to pay me money uh, to do what I was doing. But thank the Lord, I was able to learn to do my job while doing my job. So I always look at young people today, and I feel so sorry for them that there's not enough places for them to just stink in yes. public. Yes. Because... If I had to be successful out of the gate, uh-huh. I would never have made it. No. I needed to no. 
stink for a long time and take in, all that in, feedback. In, in what way did and, you stink? Um, uh, singing off key. Really? <laughs> Having really horribly thought out um, song parodies. So I, I have a song parody now in the show, and like the whole thing tells a complete story, and every line lines up as much with the original as possible. Yes. The old days, if I could just change a line here and there and get a laugh, that's all I needed. <laughs> you know? Uh, Copacabana, they were young and they had a rubber. Who could ask for more? Right? But that joke's not connected to another joke, to another joke. There was blood in a second shooter on the grassy knoll. At the, they're just throwaway jokes, but they don't connect. So yes, it's very amateurish it. writing. Yes. But it got I'm laughs not, that. Where, yeah, one laugh. Yeah, all I needed was a laugh. Right. Um, That's all I needed. But that needs. kind of encouragement and helped me to, of course, eventually become better. At what I do now, I see there's not enough venues around for people to have that learning curve. Uh-huh. Um, they go from having a bunch of showcases where their parents and family and friends come tell them how wonderful they are, yeah. to then having uh, no gigs, right? <laughs> <laughs> where the public, the public is the best. Look, you know, I always used to call. You know, people say like your monitor. You're out there singing your monitor, which is a speaker of your voice and everything coming back at yes. you. My monitor was the face of the audience uh, always. Uh-huh. I didn't care if I could hear myself. I spent way uh-huh. more time focused on that monitor. Uh-huh. Do you smile there? Do you laugh there? What uh-huh. kind of person smiles at that? What yeah. kind of person frowns at that? What kind of person <laughs> ignores that? So that kind of feedback is priceless and working small clubs is why that's great because there was no blinding spotlight and you can actually see the faces of all the audience yeah so now if like when i'm at the alberta rose theater and i do that the audience will be invisible oh yeah because of the big stage and the spotlight yeah and so yeah. uh but i know what works now yeah but just the learning curve where uh-huh. are the clubs for somebody to learn a schlock act like mine really you know <laughs> over 25 years yes yeah. you know well did you get your first laugh as a kid? My mother says, okay, so I used to have a pair of um, long johns uh-huh. that were yellow. Uh-huh. Okay. My mother says I used to pull them up over my shoulders so only my <laughs> head was sticking out. And I would come bouncing into the room going, banana man, banana man. <laughs> then I would run back into my room and I would put on a cowboy hat. Ah. And I would put on the holster mm-hmm. and, the, and the guns and I'd, my shaps. I'd come walking out and I'd do a John Wayne. <laughs> then I would run out. So she said when they have dinner parties, I would just keep running out as different characters uh-huh. over and over and over until I got tired. And so I guess I've always enjoyed uh, getting a laugh out of people. Uh-huh. And uh, it hasn't changed. Yeah. You yeah. know, my career, I mean, I, I get sort of... I work more as a musician because I don't like work in comedy clubs, but I'm mm-hmm. really a comedian who likes to sing. That is really my uh, the angle of the Tony Starlight show. We know. And, <laughs> and I was funnier long before I learned how to sing. <laughs> and now that I can sing, uh, it's like, oh, well, that's nice. It's kind of like you go to a, a dinner show and the food's good. Like, you yes. don't expect it to be, but when it's good, you go, hey, that's a bonus. You know? My first big laugh. Yes. I was in junior high. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a school assembly. And I don't know why I volunteered. I don't remember anything about 
preparing for it. But I stood on the stage with a mic and I did Bob Newhart's driving instructor routine. <laughs> okay? You know, I mean, it's like you sing somebody else's song. It's, uh, yes. it's somebody else's song. You do somebody else's song. And I got huge laughs. Oh, my word. And that was it. I just kind of was diving into this emotionally because I just went to my 30th high school reunion in Bozeman, Montana. Huh. And so uh-huh. it was interesting because I took on the responsibility of the entertainment for the event. So I hired alumni band. We rehearsed, and Uh I wrote a presentation with slides. We did a comedy and musical Uh 45-minute presentation, and it was wonderful. Now, Uh in high school, I would never have been able to get up in front of the people and do that. People are very surprised to learn how shy I was. Now, I was funny in a room with Uh friends in the back of the class whispering, but... Too shy to take theater. Too shy to take debate. Too shy to uh, really get out there in front of people and perform. Um, so I don't know what changed other than I think it was just I'm a very practical person and I realized, well, if I don't want to go get a real job, you better <laughs> learn how to become outgoing and gregarious in mm-hmm. the business you want to do. You, you better change your personality. Become yeah. more of an extrovert. Yeah. Um, which in the beginning was done by being drunk. <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> that's the well. It's a social lubricant. Yeah, so you yeah, get yeah, me yeah. on stage, and all of a sudden I felt very, very comfortable. Yeah, uh, having yeah, a few yeah. drinks and saying uh, all kinds of outlandish things. Then now I'm at the age where that is a huge impediment to my success. So uh, <laughs> drinking during the show is, yes, is yes. not right. Uh, a, a right. good idea. Well, that's like that's, no, that's like me. You know, all those when I wrote for the, the supermarket tabloid and wrote all those stories that eventually became a book and all that, I just got I got up every morning and smoked dope all day. <laughs> it was the only way I could do it. Yeah. You know, sit there at, at the at, at the at the selectric, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and just be completely completely. And that's how I wrote Rabid Nun Infects Entire Convent. You know. I was always very skeptical of the medical marijuana thing, but like I say, I, I have a friend who five years has been doing medical marijuana, and yes. his motivation is 100% in remission. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, God. Thank you. It was the opposite for me. I, I think I smoked pot two or three times, and within a half hour, I was asleep. It just... Put me to sleep. Oh. I didn't understand the point of that. So, oh. um, I think people smoke pot to, to be like me sometimes, like just outlandishly in a different, weird mindset that right. I kind of go in already in. Right. You know. Right. Right. Uh, caffeine is a much better drug. So, was there a moment when you became Tony Starlight? Yeah, there was. Uh, I was named Tony Starlight. I was given birth to by a, a guy that we called Nigel the Clown. <laughs> I was working with Ralph Huntley. Yeah. And coincidentally, Jerry Fector, who owns Lompoc. <laughs> These are two guys who were lunch servers at Virginia Cafe wow. in 1992. Um, early 93. I used to love the Virginia Cafe. And so I was a cook back there. Um, Nirvana. Pearl Jam, all that, right. ruling the airwaves. I wasn't nearly angry enough to, uh, <laughs> to do that, so I'd been listening to Sinatra and just exploring uh-huh. other kinds of music because yeah. I just didn't 
understand. You know, the the, anger. Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam sounds exactly like Cher. Have you ever noticed that? He does. He yes. does. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you believe in love after all. Something like that, right? And... Um, if I could tell my town. <laughs> I think there's a future in that. And um, so uh, the bar back, Nigel. Yeah. Ralph Huntley. Yeah. And a guy named John Wager, who was uh-huh. like the original bass player with Pink Martini huh. back in the very early days. This was after me. He left me for Pink Martini. I don't know. Bad choice. Oh, I don't man. know. Uh, there's no future. Okay, so <laughs> they um, they had a jazz group, mm-hmm. and they were playing at Mark's Hawthorne Pub. They had like a regular Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, something like mm-hmm. that. They said, "Why don't you come down there, put on a ruffle tuxedo, mm-hmm. and you can sing with the band, and we'll call you Tony Starlight." Wow. That's what, that's what, it's just shooting the breeze at the bar. Yeah. I said, that's a great idea. So we put together a five song set. It started with Born Free, Free <laughs> as the Wind Blows, but just so earnest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we did one song parody, which was, uh, I did Greg Brady as a champ, <laughs> you know, uh, full of Brady Bunch, topical Brady Bunch jokes. Yes. Which, of course, in the 90s makes perfect sense anyway. Um, Actually, it does. And then uh, the last song was was Moon Glow, which was a big like Glenn Miller hit. But uh-huh. I sang lyrics to that, but over the top. Bill Murray, very pas- patterned after Bill Murray and uh-huh. Don Ho. I listened to a lot of Don Ho albums, and Don Ho is like one of the worst lounge performers of all time. Like yeah. good, good worst. Yes. And so modeled after that, and the crowd ate it up. And that was all I knew. Like this is this is my new vehicle. <laughs> and so then I started writing stuff for that group, and then that was we played at the Gypsy, uh, got a regular gig at the Gypsy, uh-huh. and then Jimmy uh-huh. Mack, who used to come see me at the Gypsy with yeah. Stephanie before they opened Jimmy Mack's, came uh-huh. and uh, asked me if I'd want to be in the ground floor of Jimmy Mack's, and so we played there kind of from the get go. It's hard to believe for a stretch in time. I played every Friday night, and Mel Brown played every Saturday night. Or he might have played Thursdays. I don't remember. Um, I think he was doing Thursdays even then, and I was doing Fridays. And uh, you, didn't like do year, you didn't do the bingo down. You didn't do the 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 the, 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 the games in the basement. Did that you? was me. I did bingo. I that's hosted I bingo yeah, down there. Yeah, yeah. And so that's one of the awards that I'm going to have is um, top. Uh, you know, most, well, what's the word I have exactly? Like, biggest affront to jazz. The nominees are, and some of the things that I've done are yes. uh, have bingo, host bingo at one of the top 100 jazz clubs, uh, according to Downbeat Magazine. And also, um, when Mel Brown walked into um, Jimmy Max for the first time to hear me, I was singing Convoy. So that's on the nominees of one of the uh, top five affronts to jazz uh, I've done with my career. I was thinking about all the venues that I played, and I was listing. You're talking places like Monte Carlo, yeah, Andronico, McCall's, The Gypsy, uh, Gino's Cappuccino. <laughs> Where was that? It was in Hillsboro. Oh my God! I think 
or Beaverton. Uh, um, okay, so there's two that are still in operation uh-huh. of all of them. I made a big list one day. Yeah. The only two that are still around uh-huh. are um, Kelly's Olympian. Oh. Mm-hmm. And God, what's the other one? X-ray's gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, gone. Gone. Uh, I can't remember the name of the second one that's still around. Huh. Dang it, I had it at the beginning of the sentence. And oh, this well. is what happens when you get to be old is you forget things. And um, just, a, on, right. uh, just a, a list of... Uh-huh. It's just uh-huh. hard to believe that every one of those venues are gone. Right. right. Along with the buildings they were in. Yeah, that, well, speaking of that, touche. Yes. I played up uh, on Halloween... Uh, while people were playing pool, oh, I've done that. I, I DJed. That's uh, right. That's on, right. That's right. That's on right. On Halloween, where people were playing pool, my uh, did, costume did, was Steve Austin. I was uh, <laughs> the six million dollar man. You know that was such a strange gig for playing because I was playing soul music up there, and nobody ever paid a bit, at least not not any attention whatsoever. No attention. No, and not not not. And I'm playing like James Brown and real funky stuff and dance stuff, and not not even a head bob, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because there was such serious serious going on. Yes, I know. Money was changing hands. Uh, <laughs> do people do that anymore? I guess down at the Rialto, there's probably still people playing pool. Oh yeah, yeah, My definitely. Goodness. So many of the things culturally. That I really loved, and I'm I'm really serious about this, are gone. Right. So um, I, when I was young, what I liked to do, like all of my work, is I like to go out to see live music. Mm -hmm. I like to go to bookstores. I like to go to record stores. Right. And I like to go to the movies. (laughs) So I mean, (laughs) the things that I I I love have really disappeared from culture uh, for the most part. And so it's been a weird way trying to adapt to the new world. And I, you could say that that happens with every generation, but uh, old people born in, in 1930 that lived to be 2000, they still had bookstores, record stores, movies, True. radio, True. also radio. I like radio. to listen to radio, yes. okay? Yes. So a, a locally programmed radio show. Right. How's that for a dinosaur yes. thing, right? So um, <laughs> just, it's been a, just it's call been me, a just big call me upheaval. Dino. It really has been a big upheaval culturally. Yeah. Yeah. And so it'd be interesting to see where it goes, and I trade so much in that with my show. My show, somebody said to me the other day, say, what you do is you sell nostalgia, and they're right. Yes. Because what I like to do is I like to talk about old songs, old memories, right. and the things associated with them. Mm-hmm. And the luck that I have is since we grew up with three TV stations, mm-hmm. I don't count PBS. <laughs> <laughs> Just like now, I say I have... Right. 1,331, even though I know I have 32 because <laughs> one's PBS. I don't count it. Um, the uh, two radio stations, like in Bozeman, Montana. I'm not kidding you, right? Really? So then you have MTV, uh-huh. where I'm getting music. So there's so few choices yeah. on what's being fed to me. Like, I don't like Huey Lewis. Can I <laughs> sing 10 Huey Lewis songs for you right now? Yes. So, but the good side of this <laughs> is that I can speak to a room full of people over 40 and we have a common pop culture memory, whether right. they like it or not. We watch the same TV shows. Mm-hmm. I'll do a night of all TV theme songs and you 
whether you like it or not, you know all the words to these songs. They come back instantly because you heard them so much. Now, if you were growing up today and you can create your own Pandora station, mm -hmm. you can YouTube whatever shows you want. Right. It's like, I don't know how... Uh, uh, I was just at my 30th high school reunion. We, if I come out and sing uh, White Wedding, we all know White Wedding. <laughs> what are they all going to know as far as music and film and television? Because they're all watching and doing their own things. So I think we were really lucky in that regard uh, to have the limited field. It's like when I was in L.A., you go to... Uh, Jerry's Deli, the famous deli. I think mm -hmm. that is that what it's Cantor's? called. Cantor's. Yes. Yeah. Their menu has two hundred items on it. Yes. It's like I don't have the time. I just told the waitress pick something for me. Do you have a Reuben? I don't want to read all this. Yeah, yeah. And it's an overwhelming choice. Um, and that's how I feel about if I was a kid today. I don't think I could curate my whole. And this is weird coming from somebody who's very, very independent. Yeah. I liked that when I was in high school. I had, I was going to listen to one of 35 records when I got home because that was the choice. <laughs> right. You know, right. and those songs are in my blood because of repetition. Mm -hmm. Now, I think had I so many choices, you'd never get to that level of where like just a song is in you. I don't think it's, it, it happens. I mean, it's hard for me to, I mean, it probably does happen. Okay. But it is, it's hard for me to, to uh, believe that. The only, the only, the closest I've I've uh, come to seeing that is uh, the um, 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 uh, Portugal demand tune, mm -hmm. the one that won the Grammy. Oh sure. When I'm doing my my DJ gig, you know, when I play all almost 100 percent soul music and, and funk and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But I'll put that on. And God damn it, that is such a catchy tune. Yeah. Every every head turns. You know, and those are those. There's not a lot of those songs. You know, because because that's not what music's about. Well, and then that's kind of a little bit to my point. Is I think there will be a handful of them yeah. that transcend that. But like I said, Huey Lewis. I hate Huey Lewis, but I know right. all his songs. Billy Squire. Do you want me to sing Billy Squire no, for you? No, see, I hated that shit. <laughs> but I know it, whether I like it see, or not. You know You've it. got the magic, baby. See, you know it because that was your generation. Right. Well, you probably know uh, a bunch of stuff from your generation, whether you like that's, it or not. That's, that's, how, that's how it works. All the leaves are brown, well, leaves that, are that, brown. I go back to the dawn of rock and roll. Right. Because that's, that's when I was 10. And so... You know, I mean, it, it, you know, they, they say that. I did a story once on on a, a, a guy who um, uh, treated Alzheimer's patients, mm -hmm. and he said they may not know the name of the of their their daughter sitting in front of them, but they know. God damn it, they know the words to "Won't You Come Home, Bill?" Oh, Bailey. right. Well, did you see the Glenn Campbell thing? He yeah, yeah, forgot yeah. lyrics, but right. he never. Uh, even though he was in dementia and having Alzheimer's, right. and he yeah. never forgot how to play any of the guitar leads. He had like right. muscle yeah. memory for those melodies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it really does um, depend on you know because uh, now the '80s thing is almost over. <sighs> it's not. It's not. No, no, no. Wait, wait. I'm It'll never. Be no, 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 Somebody once told me the Tony Starlight let, brings you the '90s. No, 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 no. Let, 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 let me go back. The '80s thing will never be over. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> the music's bad, though it really is. Well, it is. So, but you know, um, uh, '90s is much better. 
I'm an 80s drummer. Oh, shoot that poison arrow through my heart. I have a joke that like the uh, 70s were like, yeah. And the 80s were like, y'all. And the 90s are like, no! No, and I just, I feel like I fit more in the 70s with that, yeah. 70s are great. Funny. That's music wise. I love it. The bulk of the stuff I play on the radio and in the clubs is 70s. I love it. Yeah. It's all real instruments still. Yeah. You know, aside from ELO, which is hyper produced, you could probably play any 70s song on acoustic instruments and, you know, maybe a rock organ or something. Right. But 80s, you need all this production. Yeah. You know? And the songs just don't. uh, The song. Well, it's several steps away from like where, you know, jazz is like a, anybody can sit around a piano and sing night and day and it's still night and day. Right. You know, but you want to sing just like heaven around a piano. It's like, <laughs> no, it's a production. And yeah. you got to go, show me, show me, show me. It's like a different animal rock and roll is, you know. Do you, do you play any instruments? I play guitar, yeah. ukulele, and occasionally a harmonica, but never long enough for you to see that I can't play harmonica. That's good. Ukulele, huh? Yes. Well, there's a, there's a public demand. I would only do it. The public demands it. I want to be like, um, I've always had this dream of putting on a different instrument for each song, but then never playing them and just yes. seeing how long it takes people to gather. But I just, these things are funnier to me than in my brain than actually I have the effort to um, exercise. Like I've always wanted to come out with like a puppet. Uh-huh. But then never address the fact that I have a puppet. <laughs> and just see how long it takes people. Like, didn't he? He had a puppet and the puppet never did anything. That's well, because when I see somebody come out like with a puppet or I mm-hmm. see somebody on stilts juggling fire, I always think that's cool, but I'm depressed knowing how long you practiced. <laughs> To do that, and that's the sad part. I think of somebody with a puppet on their hand in front of a mirror, like <laughs> refining. Yes. Hello, hard. Like right, that is the right. saddest thing I can think yeah, of. It yeah. really, really, really is. Now, if you could do that just naturally, I'm like, that's wonderful and that's funny. But it's the time practicing. I'm like, oh yeah, god, yeah. that's so sad. Or send your. Do you remember? Do you ever see send your wenches? Your wenches. wenches. Oh yes. Johnny. Johnny couldn't even afford. Couldn't even afford. Well, I guess yeah. he did. He had a dress. No, it was a great like, stick. It was a dress. It was a that great stick. That was, that was Johnny. Johnny. And oh, had boy. the guy. Had, he had the guy with the head in the box. I would have loved. All right, all right. I mean, people say that I'm kind of already doing that, but yeah. you imagine the wonderful years of vaudeville when you could have an act that you could just do for ten years. Yeah. <laughs> Radio and yeah. television changed that. It's like you need a new new yeah. jokes every week. That's like Bob yeah. Hope, like writers and yeah, all this yeah, where yeah, yeah. we need new jokes every week. But <laughs> the old days, you could just tour a show for a decade and never yes. update it. Right. Right. It's fascinating. It hadn't, hadn't been back to that theater for five years. Yes. And they want to see it again. Yes. Well, that's kind of like my Christmas show. <laughs> I just had somebody today, in fact, tell me that the thing they liked about my Christmas show yeah. is that it was the same every year. And I was thinking, what's wrong with that? Because every year I think about how much do I need to change right. 
But no, people like it the way that it is. It's of like, course. That's why they come. They like it the way that it it's, is. It's one of your greatest hits. Yes. And, and so, if, we, if we've learned anything, right. that, you know, when the people who have a hit, they, people who come to see them want to hear I the hits. I don't want to hear what Glenn Fry and Glenn and Don Henley are writing. To, well, Glenn, uh, you know, Glenn Fry is writing nothing right now. Right. He's currently <laughs> decomposing. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. But... Um, Yes, we don't want to hear your new songs. <laughs> we love that one alleged. And some bands at least figure it out. Like they'll maybe play some hits, then do one or two of those, and then go back to the right, hits. Right. Yes, this is the most you you wrote the most meaningful song in my whole life, but I don't want to hear anything. Judas else. Priest did that because I went and saw their. It's probably their farewell tour. And they did that. They played the hits, then they did like two of their new songs, right. and then finished with the hits. And right. I was like, that's how you do it, guys. Well. And uh, it was sad because so Glenn Tipton comes out at the end of the show. He's 70 years old and he has Parkinson's and yeah. he is retiring. And it's so weird to see um, all of your heroes enfeebled, you know. Well, yeah. It's just the way life goes. It's nothing new. But it's I like so much stuff that's older than me that, you know, right. um, almost right. all of my heroes are gone. Mm-hmm. Um Neil Diamond's now retired. He'll never tour again because of Parkinson's. Judas Priest, uh, I might be able to see uh, Rob Halford again. I'm never going to see <laughs> Judas Priest again. Right. Uh, I, right you know, right, right. Uh, I, one of the things that, and why I see people when they come, uh-huh. is Spirit Mountain Casino has Lou Rawls back in 1995 or whatever. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I'll catch him next time. No, you won't, yep. because there never was a next time. Right, right. And so if there's somebody you like... Yeah. And Lou Rawls was awesome. I should have gone to that show. Yeah. And so George, now Clinton, I don't miss George, George Clinton's coming coming to town for the last time. Well, then you got to go. I know I have to go. You got to go. Yeah. He's. I've never interviewed him. He's. He's one of the one of the two guys on my bucket list that I've never interviewed. I've always wanted. Well, to. How are you going to finagle yourself in there? Who well, do you know that's going to get I you have, in there? I have. I have. I have emails in. Kick down the door. I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to get one. I'm trying to get a phoner before he, before he comes in. They don't need it. It's going to sell out, mm-hmm. you know. So that's the problem, of course. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, I'll never, the, the first time I saw him after he st- started wearing suits was so bizarre. <laughs> after seeing him for 35 years in those outfits, you know. With the with the, the multicolored hair and the dreads. And oh, everything. I love that they respect show business that way. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I hate when I go see a band and you can't tell the difference between the guys in the audience and the guys on stage. That was probably the worst <laughs> thing about grunge, is the audience looked like the band, and I'm yes. like, you're supposed to be in show business. I never understood the grunge ethic. You know, what goes what, what goes into picking out an outfit for you to perform in? Oh God, I don't know. I just I, it's probably just gravitating towards the old uh, showbiz stuff that I've seen before. I still uh-huh. love. I just think, a I gaudy just, I just, tuxedo and ruffles and all that. I still love that the the ruffles sticking out at the end of your jacket. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but more, I wear a lot of rock clothes now. Just mm-hmm. glitter, shine, yeah. bright. You're yeah. going to sparkle yeah. in the spotlight. See, um, I can. I have this image. I can just see you in, in front of your closet, and it's it's like it's like uh, that shot in Goodfellas that where you see all the suits. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you don't see is that all of them are like. Quaking with anticipation, yes. it's like, is he going to pick, pick me? me? Is he going to pick me? Because some me, things Tony, don't make me. it into the. I, I have so much now uh, that some things don't make it into the show. Well, the good news is I recently lost some weight, so some things ah, are coming back. There you go into the show. There you go. Um, but honestly, I'm cheap. I don't want to spend money on new wardrobe. Um, but I haven't had to. I've, this wonderful woman, Pat Smith, has been making wardrobe for me. She called me. She said, uh-huh. can I make some stuff for you? Wow. And I said, yes. Uh-huh. And she's made these amazing things that personalize, like, my name on the back with my <laughs> logo. And it's honestly what's been great about these 25 years. I've never been the level of a success I would like to be. I've never hit the salary near what I'd like to be. But the uh-huh. two things I have that are remarkable is, one, I have... Autonomy and control over my show. I don't yes. have an album I've recorded and the studio re- fails to release it, right? Yes. <laughs> I live and die by all of my own work. Mm-hmm. The other thing is I have met the nicest people who become uh, fans and supporters of me, people that book me, come to my shows, and the relationship Uh So one-on-one. Like, if I'd have gone to Vegas and done this show in Vegas, I would not have that. No. And I love that. And I love being part of a community that still, hopefully, for a little while longer, I can get here in Portland. But Mm -hmm. I, you know, who knows? The people that are my demographic are fleeing, and the people that are driving here don't know what a dinner show is. Uh, The people that are coming in here... um, I shouldn't say driving. They're on scooters uh, that they, they get for free that somebody's providing. I don't understand. I don't know. Um, I'm, no. I'm a, I don't understand in what scenario I would ever get on a scooter. So this is obviously not for me. Um, but are the... I don't know. I don't want to get off on that tangent. Well, <laughs> happy 25th. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you for drawing me out. Yes. It's so hard to get me to talk. Yeah, I know. It's so hard. My goodness. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thanks a lot. We'll have all the information up on the page. TonyStarlight.com. All your dreams come true. <laughs>